Morning, Tommy. Morning. Morning, Mr. Finley. Hello, Finley boy. How are you, sir? Yeah, I'm doing all right. How are you doing? Uh, pretty good. All right, keeping it, keeping it sassy up, up in this biznatchy. Yeah. Um, do you remember that? I was just thinking a second ago. Um, do you remember that Public Enemy album, Fear of a Black Planet? Well, I do. It was... Um, it kind of I'm, freaked me out at the time. It, like more well, now. Of course, yeah. At the time, I was afraid of a black planet. Now I'm better with it. Yeah. Well, yeah. I mean, all of that's true. Yeah. I mean, I, I sort of was the... Um, I guess it's cultural appropriation, but it's just ultimate douchey, like a nineteen year old. Um, yeah, I wore Public Enemy t shirts, and yeah, mm-hmm. boy. Mm-hmm. <laughs> <laughs> um, but I remember they had a song, and it was um, Elvis was a hero to some, and it went into like it Elvis was a racist to me, right, right. Yeah. But it's us, and then and then of course um, Flavor Flav goes. Oh, the fuck him and John Wayne. <laughs> <laughs> and at the time, I I felt a little, I guess, conflicted because it was first a classic film fan, but I love Public Enemy. Yeah, true. Well, now I have the, I had a similar uh, situation over in the punk land mm-hmm. that I was dabbling in at the time with uh, MDC, but, uh, which kind of depended on what, whatever the album was called at the time. MDC was the name of the band. It was a punk band. NBC? N, uh, MDC. Okay. Millions of Dead Cops, Multiple Death Corporation. Every album had a different <laughs> okay. spin on that kind of thing. But one of their favorite, their, one of their more famous songs was John Wayne Was a Nazi. Mm-hmm. That was a classic. Well, you know what? I kind of, I mean, not, not to give too much credence to MDC or Public Enemy, um, but I think my thoughts around John Wayne a little bit in the last few years have been they're kind of right. In that mm-hmm. um, I haven't watched John Wayne in a long time, and in fact, I, it's probably been a good five years since I've, I've seen a John Wayne movie. Until you suggested the the two that we're going to do today, do it, yeah. And um, it's just a weird position to be in as a, a like a co-host of a classic film podcast mm-hmm. to a not see much John Wayne in the last few years, but also as much John Wayne as I have seen to not consider myself a huge fan from the get-go, and then to have that absence from John Wayne for the last few years while other things are going on in the world in my life, and think, you know, he, he kind of was an asshole. I don't know if he was a Nazi, but, yeah. like, I don't know if anyone culturally did more to sort of fuck over the image of the Indians as Native Americans, if you will, uh, as fucking, you know, just to be disregarded just, garbage as John Wayne, wrink- man. It's just like one wrinkle in the ball sack, man. No, no <laughs> question about it. He's not alone. He's not even no, no, alone I'm, not talking about, I'm talking about all the other things that he did, which we're going to be talking about a little bit today. Oh, John Wayne, I mean, here's the thing, and He's, and what surprised me, and I'm, I can just say this overall before we get into the films, is how much I did actually enjoy him. Yeah. Like, I'm talking about how much I enjoyed each of these films, or him mm-hmm. in these films, but I was reminded there's there's something very comforting about uh, John Wayne, yep. and that he's he's a prolific motherfucker. He made like 200 movies in his lifetime. Um, definitely lots of things to say about John Wayne, but but what what sort of kept me away, I think a little bit part of it was mm-hmm. that sense like this guy's kind of a, a a bit of a blemish. I hate to say it. I mean, it, it's like if people he's, who tune in. I'm, I'm yeah. reaching the wrong demographic because yep. someone's, uh, everyone is probably rolling their eyes like, "Oh, come on! I come here for stop it there." And well, it's like I don't want to infuse too much like politics, or whatever. But right. he's kind of a dick. Here's the thing. I think I think we have to treat him a little bit like we did recently with uh, Woody Allen. I mean, he's a troubling figure and a towering figure all at the same time in movies. Mm. Here's the difference. I think I'm sorry. I'm eating breakfast at the same <laughs> time. Is Woody Allen is troubling on his own? Mm-hmm. John Wayne. Sorry, very unprofessional. Is troubling 
as part of um, the an institutional trouble that now we we're starting to question, or some are starting to question. So like, there was well, never the, I, like a, a pro pedophile <laughs> part of Hollywood. Well, open, we're finding out now. Maybe. Yeah, but openly, <laughs> but there openly was for years. You know, one of my favorite Humphrey Bogart movies is Also the Night. And the jokes they play uh, on the the African American like uh, you know butler and chauffeur whatever is yes boss and shuffling and all this sort of stuff. So you contend with it and you contextualize mm-hmm. it and you go like, of course I still love the movie and everything in its place and time. But John Wayne's not like a like a one or two movies. It's like a whole career about like the savage Indian. Well, it is. So it is that, and at the same time, it's there's a little bit of. Um, you know, and, and this is what this is what gets racism through the door a yeah. lot. Let's just let's just call racism racism, right. okay? Sure. Here's what gets a lo- here's what gets racism through the door a lot. Well, he's not that kind of an Indian. So in that sense, oh, yeah. John Wayne <laughs> had a like he brought his Indians with him. Right. He brought his like Woody Strode like showed up in a lot of his stuff. I mean, he brought his his black performers. Yeah. He brought with him. He he. You know, he gave opportunities to these people that were ultimately being like shat on by by, yeah. the, by the film that was being made. Yeah. Uh, but then these people were able to work. It's it's a uh, we get a lot of that in, in this area, Tom. You know, I, I sort of grew up in the Fresno Central Valley area, but we get a version of it, and maybe you'll see it more as you as you're here mm-hmm. of like. Uh, Oh, well, these Mexicans would be much worse off, believe you, if they Dude. weren't living in that shed for less than minimum wage that I'm them. And it's like, yeah, there's truth to that, certainly. Yeah. Mm-hmm. But you're still a dick. Right. Yeah. Yes, absolutely. Yeah. <laughs> Look, the Mexican guy. Dude, I do comedy in, in Fresno now. Yeah. So I do. The Mexican guy's laughing. That's not the same as being okay. Like, right, right. <laughs> I yeah. love you, Don Rickles, but fuck. And at the same time, you and I are, are kind of like a couple of like leaning to the left um, cunts about it. And sometimes we get. Like, I don't want to go too yeah, far. I want to enjoy movies. We're doing that already. Yeah, Yeah, probably. probably. So I just want to mention that that's, it sounds like for you too, like the sort of issue that comes up. But but frankly, out of this podcast, this particular episode in Mm -hmm. preparation for it was the desire for me to watch more John Wayne movies. So it's just, it's just something to think about. Um, Anyway, so as we're thinking about it, our our first film, um, and these were Tommy's picks and I found them very interesting Mm -hmm. Um, before I'd seen them both before but before i rewatch them and then after for a different reason so we start with 1959's rio bravo rio bravo yes um so we're we're, we're talking a, kind of an ensemble cast in a way in a weird way yeah, right it's kind of a glorious ensemble cast i mean mm-hmm. in a sense like like john wayne is like a weird satellite in his own movie okay like the other the other members of the cast are like more more compelling than john wayne is in this movie oh interesting i think mm-hmm. absolutely and 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 John Wayne, I don't know what it was. Like he was like the, at this point physically or something like that, where uh-huh. his alcohol his alcohol intake and sort of like there was this transitional period between back when he was like a nice, a good chiseled comic, like Hondo. handsome Hondo. I think it's fifty three. Searchers is the last maybe one. maybe you know? searchers. Yeah, he was coming off the and and then, then there's this point like right where like right where Rio Bravo is, yeah. where his face doesn't look like it's quite finished. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> like, uh, and gonna, he's got he's this handsome at an angle, but then you then. Oh, no, no. There's this great essay, because because I've been an English teacher, there's a great essay by Ted Spiker called How Men Really Feel About Their Bodies. And it goes into the whole sort of, it doesn't equate what men have to go through with body image with women, but it does sort of say, look, like John Wayne used to be like your perfect man. You look at him now, he's like a slob, basically, Uh, you know. He, He was useful. Yeah. Manly, but like like he's no Toby Maguire is is more like 
masculinely fit than John Wayne, more cut, if you will. You know, well, of the two movies, I would say that is a little less true in the second one that we'll be talking about. Okay. But he definitely, but because he looks thinner and he looks slimmer mm-hmm. in the second movie, but yeah. there was something going on. So <laughs> he was doing real bravo. Okay, so so we have, and then and then later on, by the way, he gets craggy. And then, mm. we, then we get into True Grit, well, then we get into Craggy later. He throws a mustache and a, and a few, like McHugh in the 70s. McHugh yes. and the shoes. I loved it. And, yeah. So so, um, uh, so we're talking about 1959's Rio Bravo, and of course it's John Wayne, it's Dean Martin, Walter Brennan, who's another one, by the way. It's easy to forget that Walter Brennan was resembled a human being at some point <laughs> when he was like in the late 30s doing Capra films with Gary Cooper. He actually looked like he was old then, but he looked like an actual like kind of mm-hmm. middle-aged man who would have like a, a garage in which he would put cars or something. Yep. I don't know why I said that, but but it's like um, then you have Ricky, Ricky Nelson. Nelson and hold on. The angelic fucking oh my god! We're gonna have a discussion about that. Angie Dickinson. Well, you want to start there? Okay. Okay. She is number one, completely (coughs) superfluous in this film. There is zero. I mean, the other she doesn't look like she belongs in this movie at fucking all. There's no reason for her to be in this film. And second of all, I'm reminded that the only time I ever ever found her remotely attractive is Mm -hmm. when I found her very attractive, and that of course is in 1980s Dress to Kill. Oh, but no. I think it was just her attitude in that movie. She was kind of a, a horny housewife. Oh no. no, I don't find her. Nah. Oh, oh my god, uh, I would so help her. Beans clean to her. Pardon my French, everyone. Uh, I would help her clean those hard to reach places. Oh my god, she you was... can't clean your own hard to reach places. Yeah, Tom. I'd, help her, I'd help her out with this. One. Oh my <laughs> gracious! All right, god damn it, she's so beautiful in this no. movie. She's utterly superfluous. Oh, you are right. No. She's not. She beautiful. doesn't look like she's even in the she's movie. She's not sexy. She has zero. She, she's no. as sexy as a as a mm. as a plant. Plants are pretty sexy. So, yeah. Bad analogies today. Sorry, Jesus, everyone. Yeah, man. All right, so so we should go back to so the so the premise of the film is um, is this: um, you have a small town, uh, um, Old West. Old West. Sorry, it's I don't a, know if we need to say it's that. It's a western. I think we may never have said that. Already. I'm sorry. We, we this is that. a western, <laughs> right? And um, all of a sudden, I'm sorry, you Tom, take over because I'm just sort of losing track here. I have so much to say about this film. It's uh, it's a it's a, it's a western town. We immediately like the the first thirty uh, like the first was it like five minutes of the movie yeah. are really interesting because it's all pantomime. There's no yep. sound. There's no nobody talking. Yeah. Um, we are immediately introduced to the fact that uh, Dean Martin's character is a complete drunk, a baritone drunk. Oh my lord, he's, he's a drunk. Fishing he's... coins out of spittoons. Well, that's part, that's part of it. Yeah. He uh, he goes into a bar. Oh yeah. And no, he's no, like no. Ah, he's just right. rubbing his lip. He's every every bad like I want to drink sort of thing. I'm about to slide. He, to the he, he was playing a version of the guy he never was until he actually became until it he later became on. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. Okay. So he's, uh, so he's in there, yeah, so he's in the bar and everyone, and, and he catches the eye of Claude Akins. Oh, Claude Akins. That's it. Yeah, Sheriff Lobo. Yes. Yeah. Well, in, in his dicker days, yep. he's wearing like, he, he's wearing the bad cowboy He's vest. wearing Woody's outfit from Toy Story. That's what he's wearing. <laughs> it's a terrible, uh, it's, no, the costume design in this film is not great. Well, not stellar. It was, it was what the 50s thought, like Western people, anyway. Okay, okay. Just so Claude Akins... Clyde Aiken's basically like, oh, I'm going to make fun of him. Again, no words are being spoken. Right. And he like shows him a coin and then throws it into a spittoon. Yeah, and makes old Dino fish it out. Well, Dino starts to reach in to fish it out, yeah. and then but the Duke shows up, John Wayne, that is, yeah. and Gives kicks him some the dignity. spittoon away, yeah. thus giving him dignity. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. 
<laughs> that's giving him dignity. Uh, and well, um, that's a part I'd like to talk about later on too. That relationship between the two of them. Yeah. But so Claude Aikens essentially ends up murdering a bystander. A bystander, right? Somebody, and, somebody who gets in the way of him doing what he wants to do. And and Wayne. Um, Arrests him and, Beats and him, like pistol whips him with a fucking Winchester though that was beautiful to behold and 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 you you come to find out immediately that that uh, Dean Martin is is his um, deputy ex deputy well sort of hang around ex deputy right okay he plays deputy he yeah. helps daddy at work basically <laughs> and 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 so they take him back to jail and then then you have Walter Brennan too right Walter Brennan is the uh, is is Walter Brennan being Walter Brennan in a jailhouse with a shotgun. Uh, keeping an eye on yeah, Claude. Oh, God. God, he's so great. I fucking love him. What, Walter Brennan? I do. Why? I adore Walter Brennan. I don't get it. He's funny to me. He's, okay. I don't know because it's just a stereotype. I know that he's meant to be lovable as the old sort of toothless coot. And, and uh-huh. I, I mean, I don't hate him, but it also he he comes pet. near being superfluous for me as well. As, just a couple plot points that he's he factors I, into. Actually, if you want to think about it, this movie could have been made with it. four people. This movie could have been half an hour shorter, too. Yeah, There's a lot could, of stuff that could change in this film. They but, could have gotten rid All they needed was Wayne, uh, Claude Aikens, yep. Dean Martin, and somebody else. I think Ricky Nelson. I, let's get into that in a uh, second. Ricky could have been left off, Okay, but, so, so not. But, 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 but the, now we have the conflict of the film, which is that Claude Aikens is the younger brother of like a, a an evil land baron. A super powerful evil land baron who's got a ton of hired guns. Who just like, you, like, you know, yeah, hired guns Owns and my town, brother doesn't belong country. in jail. So, of course, now it's about keeping Claude Aikens in jail, keeping mm-hmm. the, cl- the town from exploding when the brother comes into town. Right. Um, in in that sense, um, this movie has something very very likable about it. It's very much a western to me, in the tradition of like High Noon and Gregory Peck's mm, The Gunfighter, right. um, except that instead of being black and white and nice and tidy, its color has musical numbers <laughs> and is two almost two and a half hours. <laughs> But but it, it has all the potential of that in terms of the conflict that's there, right? And the and, guy that's going to arrive in town, the older brother, right? But but and and also like they're saving, they're holding Claude Aikens in jail. They have to hold him for a certain amount of time until yep. the sheriff, the uh, the marshal, the yep. local you know federal marshal shows up. As if Claude Aikens' brother couldn't like just wait and shoot that guy. Or there's some there's you know? some problems for sure in that, but yeah. but, but in the meantime, um, uh, a. Uh, uh, what would you call it? Like a band of cattle uh, movers, herders, whatever. <laughs> I don't know what you call it. My brother would be ashamed oh, of Oh, like cowboys? I guess that's what it is. So <laughs> it, it's Ward Bond is a cattle boss, and he comes into town, and he's an old friend of the Dukes. Old, yeah, again, another so, person he takes with him from movie to fucking movie. And Yeah, that's right. And he has with him a sort of like, a, I don't know, a cowboy guard or whatever you call it, um, a, a sort of expert gunman, and that's in the form of Ricky Nelson, which sounds ridiculous because Ricky Nelson was a skinny little pop star in the 50s, which is why they brought him in. It's kind of an Elvis move. But I got to right. be honest with you, I don't dislike Ricky Nelson in this movie. No, he's okay. He's I think okay. he's good. He, he, his whole character is one who's who who's so confident with a gun, he doesn't need to brag about it, and yeah. and he 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 carries that into the, how he plays the role. It's sort of su- subtle, as my friend Doug would say, and, and understated. Is he subtle and understated? I think he's I think he's a little bit of fish out of water acting wise. Maybe like I don't think he's one hundred percent comfortable with it. Yeah. but he does a passable job of it. Well, but consider this: nineteen fifty eight, the year before. 
Dean Martin had made his first serious film with the Young Lions, and yeah. so it was that that he did that one, and this this year he did Rio Bravo. Well, this was and his, some came running. I think some came running, followed that, and this was like his attempt to sort of distance himself a little bit from the old Martin from Jerry Lewis. Lewis. Yeah, he was yeah. he was, and he was also giving up like twenty five thousand dollar a week um, Vegas gigs t- to do this serious acting. So, mm-hmm. so I think in a way, like he, you could see the mentorship between uh, Martin and and um, Ricky. Um, yeah, Ricky Nelson. Nelson yeah. This is pre-cocaine Ricky Nelson, obviously, by the way. <laughs> yeah. And and also, I think Martin really sort of... I, I honestly... Well, I'd be interested to know what you think, but I thought, like, I think he was sort of coming of age. I think Martin did a really good job. Definitely. Absolutely. And we're, we're also talking about four, in a way, four generations of actors, right? So it's like mm. Brennan, yeah. Wayne, and I think Wayne is, is a generation before Martin, you know, and then Nelson. I would love to find out yeah. that, that Walter Brennan was like... Five years younger than John Wayne or something. Yeah. <laughs> John Wayne was around since like the 20s, man. Deep dicking whores over the craft service table. That'd be another oh, great man. revelation for no, some just, reason. Yeah. I, think, I think I found out some, at some point, I, I read somewhere, I need to go back and check this out, but like, okay. like the, the Duke gets his nickname from his horse. Like like one one of his like he was like a, like an old like you know cowboy sort of stunt actor sort of thing back in the back in the silence and and, and in the early parts of the talkies mm-hmm. and he had a duke and his horse was Duke the Wonder Horse mm-hmm. and ultimately the name just stuck with him. Did you feel the episode was getting too exciting, Tom? No, I didn't. I had just to bring it down a little bit. Somehow, I just, <laughs> that felt interesting to me, and maybe it well, was, and maybe it wasn't. I'm, I'm going to go with out there likes according it to the reaction. Anthony probably the plants are wilting here, yeah. so I'm sure it probably wasn't. So so. The whole, the, basically, that's the film. The film is about that. Oh, and then Angie Dickinson is is a, a sort of like a card sharp, a card sharp who who's sort of um, been left in town because a stagecoach broke down, and the Duke wants her out of town. Um, but in that process, of course, he, they have a little sort of fling. Um, and for some reason, for for no reason actually, Ward Bond's group has a, a wagon full of dynamite that they're storing at the edge of town. Which will play into some sort of ridiculous gunfight later on. Uh, yes. There's an absurd hotel owner who's like um, uh, Speedy <laughs> Gonzalez, essentially. Speedy Gonzalez. <laughs> With a much too hot wife. Yes. It follows like the sitcom arc. My Rosita is very uh, jealous. Ridiculous. Oh but, my God. Yeah, but look, here's the thing Ooh. about this film is A, I I liked it. I, it was enjoyable. Sure. Mm-hmm. I, I, I remember liking the first time I saw it, and I was surprised that I still liked it. Um, it has Western um, attention, mm-hmm. like like you know what's going to happen, and yet you're still kind of waiting for the right. thing to you happen. See the play out, right? Um, it's got good sort of gunfighting. It's got mm-hmm. interesting characters. It's got perfunctory dialogue. Yep. Um, and as I mentioned earlier, I think the main thing is it's just too long. It's, it's it really needs something cut out of it, yeah, including just, a couple of musical numbers. Yeah, <laughs> they have musical number. But then again, you can't have Dean, you know, Martin, Ricky Martin. Mm-hmm. Yeah, La Vida Loca. Sure. Thank you so much. Oh, Ricky Martin. Oh, what about Gaga? What the you Nelson, Gaga's the role? Nelson twins is dad. Oh, okay. yeah. yeah. Ricky yeah. Nelson uh-huh. and Dean Martin mm-hmm. in a movie and yeah. not put a song in it yeah too it's just the way it was well so so there's that relationship between the the sort of the older crooner and the the younger pop star mm-hmm. but i'm also interested i i actually as corny as it is i like the way that they kept handling um the, the wayne with with some support from brennan um relationship with martin because martin's this hopeless alcoholic hopeless. and wayne doesn't wayne doesn't want to save him wayne wants him to save himself right and so wayne's constantly trying to maneuver away how can he be his brother mm-hmm. essentially without 
without um, humiliating him right. or, or doing it for him. Mm-hmm. And that, so that's one of the most interesting things about, about the film is that relationship, to me, between the two. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Well, it, it, but there's, it kind of smacks of a, of a sort of a more right-leaning right, right sort of well, approach liber- to Libertarian self- cowboy yeah, movie. Yeah, exactly. Let's sure. self-help him. I like into, it. I'll let's buy self-help it. this motherfucker. They brought this Which leftist is, cunt in. I like it. Maybe not, the, maybe not the worst strategy in a situation like that where some guy is yeah. about to go bobbing for coins in a spittoon. So. It made me think about the different John Waynes, too, because it's like, you know, obviously the, the, the one that everyone focuses on is John Wayne, the American cowboy, right? Yeah. Then you have John Wayne, the military guy sans of Iwo Jima all the way to all the way to the Green Beret you have the weirdo sort of John Wayne which is like one of my favorite movies is Blood Alley with him and he's a ship captain in China with Lauren Bacall but also he played this horrible um samurai with Susan oh. Hayward <laughs> but not to be outdone by of course getting his turn as Genghis Khan right and then and then <laughs> where China invades Samarkand he sort of ended oh. his career with a kind of Dirty Harry-esque like there were like McHugh mm. and a few f- sort of films where he's like this sort of cop right. on the beat right all of these things and 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 um the truth of the matter is he's likable because he's sarcastic and you know he's got his crutches. He's got mm-hmm. all these crutches, especially with his interactions with women and all these sort of things he does. Um, but it's kind of a likable crutch. Yeah, he's he's, he's not likable as a person, but the actor, or the character John Wayne, is well, that's likable. because because outside of outside of his movies, he was very he was very hard to the right, very you know pro Ronnie Reagan, mm-hmm. uh, very very much you know you know he didn't take he didn't. Like him, his taking on sort of death wishy roles in McClintock yeah. and stuff like that, it wasn't accidental by any stretch. I'm like, sure that was that obviously felt like a, that felt like very from the heart uh, on, yeah. on his behalf there. But uh, oh, some of the speeches if you YouTube some of the speeches oh, he gave during geez. the Vietnam War, yeah, <laughs> it's like, getting to be goddamn ridiculous. <laughs> and you just talk about. Um, a, at that point, he's, he was an old fuck who had been Republican and got worse as he got. Yeah, along. but he also said things like, um, and I'm I'm kind of paraphrasing here, but like. Sure, the Indians should have rights, but they're just not ready for them. What? <laughs> what yeah. the fuck are you talking about, you asshole? He's, he's like one of those guys who he strikes me as being like great to his friends. Sure, like a real, like like a sweetheart in a very you know in in a limited role. Like I thought, hey, do you remember the episode with um, where Lucy and Ethel stole his um, footprints and handprints from the Chinese Grauman Theater, oh. and they kept breaking it, and he kept agreeing to do new ones, uh-huh. and then you don't remember this? I do not. Uh, Oh, people, go back. It's oh. it's during that season when um, the, oh, the Mertzes and the Ricardas went to Hollywood. I'm oh. speaking to someone out there. Okay. All right. So no, I would not. No, please continue. I'm going to give gonna... a thumbs, a definite thumbs up, with with some reservations. And it's like you know, oh, yeah. if you're in the mood for a western, I would say this is definitely one worth watching. This is not a threatening piece of filmmaking at all. It's not. Yep. Great movie making. Mm-hmm. It is entertaining. I give it like the the seven out of ten type of thumbs yeah, up. Yeah, yeah. I mean, I, yeah. if you don't like it, I fucking get it. Yep. Maybe you have a better soul than I do. Oh, maybe. There's a part of me that just that just it's it's a romp as a movie. And so it's not it's not as intense. If you want the great American, even great American Wayne. I mean, obviously the Searchers, yep. which we'll talk about at some point, or Stage Red Coach, River, or, yeah, Red River, yeah, all of those things. But it's definitely enjoyable. Yeah. I I will say this. I hate when people. What I watch a movie and and they get up mm-hmm. and they say, oh no, don't pause it. I'll just I I'm gonna go smoke a cigarette or, or, or pee or something. And it's like, what? No, no, no. I'd be okay with you getting up and 
smoking a cigarette during this smoking, one. <laughs> maybe smoking a ham. I think you have enough time. Come to back, pull I'll it tell up. you what happened. Yeah. <laughs> All right. So that that's nineteen fifty nine. Now now Tom gave us this is a guy who did you know forty five or fifty years worth of movies, two hundred movies, and Tom, you chose a, a kind of a narrow window, but not narrow in terms of genre, mm. just in terms of the dates, because we move forward four years to nineteen sixty three, the last collaboration between John Ford and John Wayne. Uh, with 1963's A Donovan's Reef. Donovan's Reef. Co-starring for, again, zero apparent reason, Lee Marvin. Lee Marvin. There's no reason for him at all to be in this movie. (laughs) Except he's hilarious. And it's so funny to watch Lee Marvin We'll tell you who else is in it, but I think it's important to say that that the movie starts (laughs) off by an acknowledgement of the annual Christmas brawl. Between Lee Marvin, it's a tradition that Where Lee Marvin jumps off, jumps <laughs> ship somewhere near this um, uh, formerly war-torn World War II island, um, now populated by grateful, grateful um, indigenous uh, indigenous <laughs> persons of indigenousness. <laughs> and uh, like, I think um, it's, so part he's of, co- it's part of uh, French uh, Samoa or Fiji or okay, something so, like that. So, so um, Lee Marvin's back in town, mm-hmm. having jumped ship and swum to shore. Swum and three miles off of shore. And so uh, uh, for some reason, I guess every year, John Wayne's character just forgets. Like, oh, he's back. Time for our brawl at my bar. <laughs> and they have insane, not interesting fighting for a while. Yeah, there. They're they're basically they have the same they share the same birthday. Yep. Uh, for they're they're they've been friends for years, and for some reason, every year on their birthday, they just have to fight. It's just, yeah. And it's and it's like it's a tradition that uh, Lee Marvin seems a little more into it than John Wayne, although yeah. John Wayne eventually cops to his love of the fight. Yeah. Uh, as well as everybody on the island can't wait for these two to go at it. Which yeah. it seems to be like John Wayne just beat the crap out of Lee Marvin and everyone. I don't think Honestly, Marvin listen, pulled ahead on that race at all. I don't think he's ever been ahead in that I fight. I swear to God, I'm not trying to sort of force this or shoehorn this in, but I do feel there's a little homoeroticism between John Wayne and Lee Marvin in this film. Uh, sure. A couple, a couple of old so sailor There's dudes. something to recommend, right? A couple there. of sailor brothers. One's a gunnery sergeant. One's, a, one's an ex-gunny. And the, mm-hmm. the other's the uh, the bosun's mate. So, so, so Jack Warden... Um, is in this film too, and he his his only sort of um, purpose, the character is to um, be the father of three um, island children. Yes, the I mother think. who's died in childbirth, presumably to the last. Mm-hmm. I did that sort of logic myself. Yeah, one assumes that. Yeah, yeah. Or maybe there was a fourth. Could, no, a I mean she didn't die during the first one. Yes, yeah, that's yeah. correct. So, so Jack Warden is a ward, uh-huh. and to these three, um, you know, island children, right. and it becomes clear um, through a change of scene, a jump cut, if you will, to a, an insanely characteristic scene of Boston um, that he has an older daughter. Uh, <laughs> and this is, this is, by the way, this is pre-Westies uh, Boston. <laughs> it's in like, yeah. I mean, it's a real insult to Boston. Yeah, or yeah. maybe it's accurate, but. Get the fuck out of here yeah so basically this daughter this uptight daughter mm-hmm. who's um a head of a shipping company well, it's an old boston family yeah and there's it's some sort of like a meeting to to essentially divest the old man of any sort of interest in the company because he hasn't returned from world war ii it's mm-hmm. been like 18 years or something right he's the nearest uh, he's gonna be the one who's gonna he's gonna get he's gonna inherit so the boston the lawyer thing. figures if he's been out on that island for this amount of time we can surely say and he keeps framing it as in Boston legal terms of right. like morality, that he can be cut out of ownership of the shipping company. Right. So she. So the whole. So the whole premise is this: the daughter, who I find now, mm-hmm. never mind your Angie Dickinson. Mm-hmm. I like this lady. 
Oh, she's sexy. I forget. Very I totally cute. forgot her name. Just yes, me too. Woman, but there's a computer. Right Daughter, there. woman. Oh, okay, will you riff for a second? I'm gonna look it up. No, uh, so she's uh, so she makes her way out to the uh, this delicious South Sea paradise. Elizabeth Allen, stop riffing. Elizabeth Allen. So, um, in order to meet yeah. up with Cher Papa and really just sort of confirm that he's um, immoral and therefore we can cut him out of the shipping clause or whatever the, the shipping industry, and she can have it all to herself. Yes. He's getting old. Dad's getting all up in them guts and the native girls. What we saying? So uh, you might recall that in an earlier episode of the Finley's on Film, we um, discussed um, Dolores Del Rio. Yes, and a certain film about the whites (laughs) sort of encountering. And you'll be happy to know that thirty years have passed and nothing has changed. (laughs) The natives are just uh, jumping off boats. Colorful. (laughs) Why? So when they're not. For some reason, this particular South Sea Island mm-hmm. is a melting pot of other ethnicities we can make fun of. That's true. We have the Japanese housemaids. New Zealanders. Oh, yes, of course, the Japanese. You're right. Yeah, we, of got the, we, got the, we got the natives, of course. Yeah. We got the French who are running the place. Uh, le by way of uh, By way of the Joker. Uh, and and uniforms with tube socks. Yes. Oh, Sid Caesar. I forgot that he's, again, unnecessarily Amazing. in this Sid movie. Caesar. Why? What do you mean? It's French. He needs, <laughs> they need somebody who's oily and, and despicable. Okay. Ish. Yeah. Well, so the, so the rest of the movie is, I mean, I'm, I'm not trying to shortcut it, but like over, like the, the rest of the arc is really just that sort of conflict of her meeting her father. Is she going to get along with him or not? Right. And those children are, in fact, his kids. But they, but Wayne decides that the best idea is to pretend that they're his kids. <laughs> Go ahead. That is doing, so did, patently a fucking terrible idea. <laughs> You mean as a, from a screenwriting point of view? No, from a, just a from a from a we we're, we we fear that we we fear the judgment of the future. It's just it's yeah. just such a bad fucking choice yeah. to make. There's, there's it simply is literally inexcusable yeah. that he would do this. It, all and all the, the excuses they come up with inside of the movie, yeah. just like are, are not. They're terrible. They're terrible, and it's obviously fucking <laughs> terrible. So in other words, the driving motor of this movie yeah. is just an awful. Dr- Everything about it, because even Jack Warden is a little pissed at the daughter who's returning Mm -hmm. for for reasons unknown to me, because I immediately focus on, wait, didn't you fucking abandon her like 18 years? Like you never came home to Boston? Right, and you barely fucking apologize when you do see her here. Yeah. You you actually kind of go anywhere to not really apologize here. So it's Fuck. really what's the what's how, what's the um, the unraveling of, so, of of the conflict? I mean, how do how does it happen? I just want to back up really quickly Please here. Let's just take a second, a little diversion. Yes, oh, I've got a big buttock. Mm-hmm. Um, which is cool. this? Is uh, I did pick this movie, yep. and it was hard mm-hmm. because I was really this. Basically, this is a twin of another two movies. Which this movie is uh, this movie? You name one, I'll name the other. Let's Atari, see North Alaska. North of Alaska. The Wacky, early 60s Wayne movies. Movie almost. Yeah, yeah, exactly. yeah, yeah, yeah. An un- unexpected female shows up somewhere mm. and she's not wanted. Lots of and ridiculous Wayne, fist fighting. Lots of stupid fist fighting. Yeah. It's like there's there's this element, but I picked this one, I don't know, because for some reason as a kid I just I yeah. adored this movie. It was so great. Mm-hmm. One of the things I like about it is, first off, it lets Paul Mazursky really breathe as an actor. And okay. I love Paul Mazursky. Okay. Um, but, uh, but it's ultimately... It's, it's not a good enough excuse for this movie, Well, you movie, know, the thing man. is, like, I, I've it, only seen this movie once, and I was 11, and you know how it's so strange, the memories that you can hold for, like, three decades in your mind? Mm-hmm. Here's what I, here's the memory that was unleashed as I was watching this one. How, at 11, I thought some of the things were stupid and not, not 
like tenable or realistic. Right. And how at 46, I felt the exact same way. Yeah. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah. Absolutely. And, and, ah, oh, fuck it. Well, I just, I thought, well, go ahead. Go ahead. Uh, I'm sorry. Well, I mean, I, I, I was just going to say, like, um, yeah, even in the context of films that are uh, not meant to be important, but silly and enjoyable, it's low on that list, even. Yeah. I mean, it's, it's not a good movie. It's not horrible, but it's just so full of things where even like a, an amateur, you know, uh, a pedestrian film watcher mm-hmm. would know immediately. Oh, that's just filler. They didn't here's, know what to do there. Here's okay. Here's here's the thought I had just a second ago, and I think this is actually a pretty good one. I think the most modern, the the best modern equivalent to this kind of movie uh-huh. is what Adam Sandler does. Adam Sandler basically at this yep. point has like every year he comes out this with is, a goddamn this movie. Is Big Daddy in Hawaii. Right. I agree exactly. with you. Yeah, yeah, no, yeah. Every year he has a mm-hmm. movie that is barely a movie yep. set in some weird exotic place where he wanted to go hang out with his friends and drink a lot of beer I when they weren't you're on wrong. set. I don't think I you're think wrong. I think this is John Wayne's absolute equivalent of that. Maybe it was like, um, <laughs> you know Christopher Walken now has a rule. The reason he never stars in movies and hasn't for two decades, he's, he's had a, a rule with his agent. That he will not, will not work on a movie for more than two weeks, and mm-hmm. it's always eight hundred thousand. Really? That's why you see him the way you see him in films. Hmm. And Michael Caine had it like in every other film for a while. Love him. Uh, and it was like good film, and then just fucking like Jaws the Revenge. <laughs> but it was always like make my money, make something I like. Yeah. Right. And I think Burt Lancaster had a little bit of that too early on. Mm-hmm. I think Wayne must have had it at this point. I think he gave a fuck. He was like, oh, you're not going to hang out on a tropical island. I love John Ford's one of my best friends. Yep. He's the director who knows how to direct the living shit out of me. Sure. Um, I can hang out with this. I don't know this Lee Marvin character. He's uh, kind of a nut, but let's go hang out. Yep. And just and they're going to be hot island ladies running amok and around. So what, yeah. what's the what's the not love? I wonder what Lee Marvin was like on that set. I love fucking. See, I love Lee. I love Lee Marvin more for the. Mythology of Lee Marvin offset that okay, I do for so any we of all know the story movies. about the about the bodyguard. Oh, love he hired the bodyguard. a bodyguard to keep other people safe from him when he was drinking. <laughs> he was a lunatic. Yeah, uh, he is the um, he was like um, he was like uh, he's the most uh, injured World War II veteran who went on to become a Hollywood major Hollywood star. I didn't know that he got blown to pieces in Iwo Jima or something like that. Like he, he, that was just in the whorehouse. <laughs> Buzzing. Here's your joke, everyone. Famous Iwo Jima whorehouse. No, but but he like he he, like he basically suffered from. It was originally called the crabs. He might have had a chronic pain syndrome, which is what made him such an asshole when he was drinking, because he like like burned on three quarters of his body or something like that. It was pretty awful. Good body though. Yeah, he didn't have John Wayne body. No, he, he had he Lee was, Marvin body. He did. He yeah. did. Yeah, he was. Uh, he was not nearly as big as as John Wayne. I actually knew somebody, and um, uh, I knew somebody. Uh, and she 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 had been a nurse in a hospital. She had been one of his uh, one of one of the nurse staff uh-huh. for him when he was in there for his mm-hmm. cancer treatment. Yeah, that would happen. Yeah, and, just, and she was talking about what like a manifestly meaty fucking huge bastard this guy was. Like he was oh. he was bigger than you think he was actually. Oh, okay. From what she said, what she was telling me about. But she's talking anything below the equator. Would she give any of that stuff away? No, but she was saying like penis? like you, you could you, like she could not reach around one of his thighs to get it to get it to move a leg or something like that. That sounds like a lie. I don't know. I mean, she wasn't a small person, but you know, he was pretty big apparently. And if you look at it carefully, he's a pretty big motherfucker. I don't know about. It. Do you think he's got a huge dick? I don't know, Tom. It sounds. I don't know. I don't either. I don't either. I'm just throwing that out there. Maybe. <laughs> 
Maybe not. <laughs> Maybe that's what he had in common with old Duke the yeah, Wonder Horse. Gorky Mule. Yeah. <laughs> I think of John Wayne, not, what's his name? Not uh, Lee, Lee Marvin. Marvin, yeah. That's having a big cock? Yeah. Well, Cockaroonie. Now, Lee, I, I would suspect that of Lee Marvin. A Lee big Cockaroonie? Yeah, he's like he's back in, he's going back in some of that, some of that uh, stolen baloney. You were talking oh, about earlier. the newspaper article about the sto- stolen baloney at the Mexican border. Yes, we have left you behind, audience. Sorry, everyone. We just wow. Well, so look, I um, love Joe. Okay, so I think I think the the sort of uniqueness of your choices here, Tom, necessitates what will happen. I think with a lot of our episodes, there'll be a there'll be a, a follow up. There'll be another John Wayne. I'm sure. I mean, John Wayne movies will make their way into to thematic there are so episodes fucking too. Many of them. Yeah. 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 I mean, just, there's no way there's going to be one James Cagney or one Burt Lancaster, whatever it is. So, so we'll get back to some more perhaps uh, expected choices or not with John Wayne. But, but with these odd choices, Rio Bravo, thumbs up with some reservations. Um, Donovan, this is just for me. Donovan's Reef, thumb sideways. Just a total, I, it doesn't matter to me whether you watch it or not. I'm just not sure. I, this might be like my, I don't know, like. You're what? Like my love of the double down, you know? Like there's a, there's a shameful pleasure I have mm-hmm. from watching this movie. Yep. That's all out of proportion to what's in this movie. The movie well, is just not, it's a, just a, it's a, not a good movie. Well, you and I are the dichotomists, right? And we've talked about this before. I'm the one who just doesn't get have any sort of pleasure in a movie that's good because it's so bad. And you're more extreme the other way. And mm. so our audience being less extreme either way might sort of take the road. Are you someone who could enjoy something that's kind of bad but shamefully good? Eh, yeah. Then maybe there's a, something to recommend here. Yeah. Just and then just go to the fucking Paul, Paul Mazursky's greatest moment caught on film. So other than that, um, yeah, I'm gonna give it a I'm gonna give it a three quarters of the way up as far as the thumb thing goes. We should probably come up with our own gimmick on that one. Oh, uh, like a thumb? Maybe like maybe like one toe, you know, one toe to the side or something like that. Oh. The whole thumb thing. That's you know that's Siskel and Eber. We're like <laughs> we're ripping up. We're hacking at this point. What one uh, of Tom's diabetic toes up or down? Off or on? How about that? Oh, I like that. Uh, Tom's toe off or on? Okay. Okay. Okay, We'll try it with the next episode. Which one? If we remember. All right. Which toe? Oh, I thought you meant which episode. It's your choice, but dealer's choice. All right. All right, everyone. Hey, it's been, uh, thanks for listening to us. Yeah, if you did. Yeah. If if you you got this far. (laughs) If you got this far, you probably already know that we we (laughs) could use your help on Patreon, that um, we'd love it if you reviewed us and rated us on iTunes. Anything else, Tommy? Catch us on Finley is on film. Catch me. uh, I have... uh, Show's coming up, and I list them up on my website, uh, tomsmithcomedy.com. Beautiful. Well, thank you so much, everyone. Hey, if you're listening to this after its uh, sort of initial release, happy holidays to all of you. Yes, indeed. Happy holidays.